You're listening to the EVPA podcast, conversations with Europe's leading investors for impact. In this series of episodes, I'll be talking to the heads of impact funds about the challenges and opportunities of fundraising, investing, and managing capital. I'm Ryan Grant Middle. Thanks for joining. Today, I spoke with Bernadette Blom, director of the Good Fashion Fund in Amsterdam. The Good Fashion Fund is a first-of-its-kind initiative to create systemic change in the textile and apparel industry by financing the implementation of highly impactful and disruptive production technologies in Asia. The fund targets long-term USD debt investments in textile and apparel manufacturers in India, Vietnam, and Bangladesh. Bernadette runs the Good Fashion Fund together with her team at her impact investing and advisory firm, Found. We talked about the challenges of wearing lots of hats, what it means to create a first-of-its-kind fund, and why you should visit Harlem next time you're in the Netherlands. So, Bernadette, can you tell me a little bit about the Good Fashion Fund? Thank you, Ryan. Glad to be here. Yes, Good Fashion Fund is a unique impact-focused investment fund to create systemic change in the textile and apparel industry. The apparel industry sector has severe negative environmental and social impacts, heavily polluting and wasteful and widespread social issues such as uh, low wage levels, forced labor and gender inequality exist. And there are technologies, all kinds of innovative technologies are being developed. So they are available, but they lack the capital to scale up their technologies within existing supply chains. And Good Fashion Fund, which is initiated by Lauders Foundation and Fashion for Good, provides long-term US dollar loans to implement these impact technologies. Technologies that are implemented and machinery, equipment, it leads to a reduction of use of water, energy or chemical use in their production process. And at the same time, improves working conditions for the workers. So this impact will significantly benefit the environment, but also, very importantly, the livelihoods of the local population and the workers, of which a high percentage are women. And investments that we finance relate to capital-intensive and high-impact equipment, often used in the processing, like including dyeing, washing, printing and finishing, but also wastewater treatment. And they all generate a positive impact on the workforce and surrounding ecosystems. Every investment, that's also one of our investment criteria, has to lead to a significant, so more than 50%, reduction in water use or energy or chemicals. And in addition to this capital, the Good Fashion Fund also provides technical and environmental and social knowledge. And we provide that through our partner Fashion for Good. They are, of course, very well known on the technical side and also their industry network is very important to us. And also uh, on the social knowledge, we work with the Fair Wear Foundation on a due diligence and also monitoring our social action plans. And we work with local environmental and social experts. The current size of the fund is uh, 19 million US dollars. And this capital is provided by Anchor Investors Lauders Foundation and the Mills Fabrica from Hong Kong and uh, Rabobank. And the target size of the fund is 60 million. So we're still in uh, fundraising mode. Uh, we have recently contracted our first investment in India and we have a fully developed pipeline. Uh, Found is the fund manager and we are also part of the investment committee. And as I mentioned, we cooperate with Fashion for Goods for its technical knowledge and industry network. And we also work with local partners. The partners are also very important for us. We really believe in working uh, in partnerships with partners that have complementary knowledge or networks. You have many years of experience in the impact space, but your background is in investment banking. How did you get from there to here? 
That's a good question. So uh, at the uh, final year of my university, I spent some time at two internships, one in Chile and one in Argentina. There, my interest in emerging markets started. But uh, my first jobs were in, or a job was in uh, investment banking. So I started off in investment banking with positions in Amsterdam and in London. Then moved to strategic consulting within the financial services industry. And uh, one day I started a conversation with a former colleague on the idea to start our own consultancy company. I guess we became so excited of the idea. Quite soon, just decided to go for it. One of our first consultancy assignments was for FMO, the Dutch Development uh, Finance Institution. And this was really the first time that I really loved my work and became very motivated and inspired. And not only because you contribute to generating impact eh, on people and environment in emerging markets, but also the fact that you have to think in solutions, be innovative, just great fun. Eh? So I've been active in this uh, impact investing sector for, I think, about uh, 17 years or so. Really evolved from a small, uh, largely informal market eh, where, where philanthropic organizations, DFI, signatories, individuals eh, were looking to move capital to initiatives in emerging markets. Now, I think many more wide variety of actors are active in this space and also in a lot more sectors. So a lot of innovation is taking place. It's fascinating to be part of this world and contribute to shaping impact solutions for, in the end for a more sustainable future. It's always fun to, to work in a sector before it has a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. It doesn't have a name. Uh, social investing and people were not so interested eh, in emerging markets. That has really changed. To what extent is demand for a cleaner fashion industry coming from the consumer side? Do you think it's driving the fashion industry to a more sustainable yes, way of production? Indeed. It's one of the actors, of course, not the only one. It's also about creating awareness, I think, that it is possible to do it in a more environmental friendly way and also socially friendly way also to attract more money flowing that's also of course an aim because it's needed these manufacturers that we are we are not focusing on the really large manufacturers that have access to a lot of capital we are additional so we are focusing on the the mid-sized to smaller sized manufacturers that don't have the capacity to do that on their own or not 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 have access to to financing eh, to invest in these type of technologies that are needed to become more environmental friendly and also don't have the knowledge in-house. So that's also what we are bringing to them. Can you talk a little bit about your approach to impact measurement and management? Yes, I think that uh, became more and more important. I've been active in this sector for uh, many years. I think, for instance, look at a decade ago, it was more about uh, identifying uh, impact. And now it's really evidence-based impact. Huh? That's, mm-hmm. I think, a key change. So it's about quantifying impact. It's about uh, setting baselines, measuring, monitoring, etc. In our funds, we actually agree upon an uh, environmental and social framework where we describe exactly which principles and processes we adhere to during our investment process. Uh, so we have a two-staged investment process with an in-principle approval. This framework really describes on the environmental and social side uh, what standards we adhere to, what is an absolute loan or exclusion list, what's a nice to have and how we want to, um, uh, what type of investees we want to work with and how we want to help them, support them to evolve during the term of our investment. Also, we agree during our due diligence on KPIs and baselines 
So for instance, with the Good Fashion Fund, we are looking at uh, actually reducing significant reduction in either water use, energy use, or chemicals, at least a 50% reduction in the production process when we have implemented our technology. So we set the baseline before we start investing. And then during the term of our investment, we measure, for instance, if it's something that has a water saving element, how much water is saved in the production process. We really measure it. It's quite important also for the fund. It sounds like maybe a mixture of industry standards, but also your own kind of customized approach to impact measurement. I think that's the case with a lot of firms. Sure. Are you using the IRIS database for um, for standardized terms or yes, what kind of off-the-shelf stuff are you using? Yes, it's a good question. For Institute Fashion Fund, we work with the Fair Trade Textile Standard, but we also work on our social uh, with the HIC index on the environmental side, which is also important index in the apparel sector for the environmental uh, impact. On the social side, we work with the Fair Wear Foundation, NGO, and they actually work with us on the social due diligence. Mm-hmm. So they work on uh, working conditions, labor standards, also workers' rights. So we really look at how can we improve workers' health and safety conditions. For instance, gender is an important thing. Most of the workers are often in these manufacturers are women. So under what circumstances do they work? But also, for instance, are they or do they have the opportunity to grow to a management position? Sometimes you see that manufacturers have already a very diversified team, but that's not always the case. And also, um, well, how their labor conditions are. Are there good employment contracts? Do they comply? That's then the minimum standard, of course. Do they comply with the local uh, social and environmental laws and regulation? All these type of things. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for a first-time fund manager? Yeah, that's a good question. Prepare yourself really well. First, I think that that's how it starts. Eh? You have to know what you're looking at in terms of investment focus, but also uh, you need a good team, of course. You need a good structure. You need to prepare your marketing materials. So not only website, but a fact sheet, teaser. That's at least how we did it. And it really worked well. Try to find a good partner, sponsor, or even an anchor investor. That will really make your life a lot easier besides uh, committing the initial capital. They give you confidence eh? because they have confidence in you. They they can actually work with their network, with their expertise. And it's also good because, for instance, if you have a foundation, it also gives you the opportunity because you're a first-time fund manager to start investing and building up a track record. Fundraising usually goes in stages. So I would recommend first raising an initial amount of money. Then you can actually start building your team whilst you're doing the investments and the fundraising. And this anchor investor can help you through this first fundraising period where you also need to build your team and build a pipeline of companies. And you can also start attracting well more investors. Interesting. So don't wait to close the entire fund and to have the whole team in place before making investments. But I think uh, you have to be realistic. Fundraising takes a real long time. It's a challenging process and don't expect to get a check at your first meeting. It's also about personal contacts. People want to get to know you, trust you. Also with your investors, a really long-term relationship that you're starting. Of course, it depends on which sectors and which geographies you're focusing on. But you will encounter issues along the way. Maybe you have to amend your investment strategy a little bit. You can, of course, not change it materially. 
but sometimes eh, after a few investments, you, you, you have some lessons learned and maybe you have to amend it a little bit. That all needs to be approved by your investors. So it's really good to have a very good relationship with these people. When you say not to expect funding at the first meeting, it reminds me of the expression that if you're looking for advice, ask for money. If you're looking for money, ask for advice. <laughs> That's yeah. definitely been in fundraising yeah. my, my experience as well. It's a full-time job, huh? due diligence processes, even if you have an investor that is interested, that will already take some time. But the whole process, so from initial interest until commitment, it takes months. The decisions that have to be taken tend to take a long time. Extensive review processes. And if you work with larger institutions, uh, different people and departments are involved at the investor side. Yeah, they look at a lot of aspects. Eh? They look at uh, well, your strategy, the legal structure, the governance, but also compliance with uh, environmental and social and governance issues prior to committing their capital. And there are so many chicken and egg problems in fundraising and deal flow, trying to find the right deals to invest in. You know, the best entrepreneurs are immediately asking you, okay, what funding do you have? Is the fund closed? Uh, meanwhile, the potential funders are asking what your deal flow looks like. And so trying to kind of keep the two in balance is a, it's a kind of iterative process. Yes, it is. To add on the on this fundraising side, eh, when you have innovative funds like we do, both big good fashion funds and also Agri3 are first of its kind funds. So it never completely matches the existing mandates. And also on the deal side, eh, it costs some time also to build up your pipeline eh, and to know exactly what works, what doesn't work, and also for the investees. I think it's important for investees. Eh? They have to realize what they're looking for. Is it just capital or also knowledge, for instance, eh? environmental, social or networks even? It's also about building networks and relationships and, of course, focusing on your portfolio. Eh? In a fund, you have to build up a portfolio. It's often diversified portfolios. So you also need different type of uh, deals or transactions to invest in. Two of the big difficult aspects of this are, are getting the money, but then also finding the place to put the money, which is the deal flow and the, and the deals. How do you, for example, with Good Fashion Fund, where do you find these deals? You work with Fashion for Good, so presumably a lot of the a lot of the deal flow comes through there. Where else? Yeah, it's indeed Fashion for Good, but it's also uh, the networks of our investors. We work with brands. Uh, we work with uh, local advisors. So there are different ways. It's not one one uh, way eh, how we source our deals. And of course, once you're active in a specific uh, country or sector, people also come to you. But in the beginning, that, that doesn't happen really often. Right. And does that evolve over time? So the way you expected deals to come to you in 2019, is that different now in 2021? Yeah, it's different. I think people get to know more about us huh? uh, because we are a new fund. And they also, I think, value the fact that we really provide this technical knowledge, but also environmental and social knowledge. For instance, in our due diligence process, an important uh, part of the focus is on uh, working with the manufacturer and our local advisors on uh, establishing a so-called environmental and social action plan where we really agree on milestones, responsibilities, how to make these manufacturers more sustainable. And in line, of course, with our environmental and social frameworks, of course, we have different type of compliance. Uh, so we really uh, support these manufacturers. So it's, so it's not only bringing the, the financing. And it sounds like you, I mean, that means you have basically a theory of change or an investment thesis and, and all of the deals will, will line up and fit in with that. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, Good Fashion Fund is an impact-focused fund. 
So we have quite an extensive theory of change. We actually also, Lauders Foundation also made it possible by uh, providing capacity development tranche uh, to really apply our learnings during our investment term, so in the coming years. It sounds like between them, you have almost an extended team. So you have your internal team at Found that manages the fund, but you're, you're actually depending on a lot of externals as well, foundations, networks, accelerators. Yeah, it, it's a partnership. Eh? So mm-hmm. different actors have different competencies. Our, of course, core competency is really our investment knowledge and our fund management uh, knowledge eh? and expertise. For really the more technical or industry sector knowledge, uh, we work with our uh, partners and that's where we reinforce each other. It's a question that, that a lot of first-time fund managers have, for example, is what skills need to be on the team and what skills can we outsource or work through with partners? Knowing what you know now, if you were to set up a fund for the very first time today, what would that divide look like? Who would you want on the team full-time and who would you look to partner with? How we usually approach it, and it's different for slightly different for every mandate. Our core competencies is really investment and fund management, if you look at uh, funds. So we have a lot of knowledge about structuring the funds, but also about what investors are looking for. Our focus is on the investment management and fund management. What we usually outsource, things like back office, sometimes the risk management. We work with partners, of course. That's, I think, not an outsource because then we are still responsible. We remain responsible for everything. But it's also good to have people in your team that know about fundraising, especially when you start, mm-hmm. of course. Things like compliance, of course, part of it you can outsource, but not everything. In your experience, are there some types of investors who are more willing to be the first investor than others? Yeah, I think it's uh, about the foundations or um, organizations that really have focus on proving the concept, but also catalyze additional funding. So I think that's then usually the uh, aim for these organizations that take the, the more junior role. Blended Finance is an approach designed to bring investors with different risk, return, and impact needs to the table. It allows, for example, more impact-focused investors like foundations to guarantee portions of a fund and clear the way for less risk-tolerant or impact-driven investors to participate. Using Blended Finance, the resulting so-called structured fund can become much larger than it otherwise would be. With the Good Fashion Fund, both Lotus Foundation as well as Mills Fabrica are playing a first-loss role where they accept a higher risk and lower financial return in order to mobilize more private capital to improve the environmental and social conditions of the apparel sector. There are technical challenges to structured funds, but actually probably the hardest part is about aligning the different investors and getting people to kind of line themselves up in the different tranches. Has that been your experience? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's important. Uh, you don't have to name names. No, 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 no. And it's difficult uh, to answer it in a general way. Yes. Yeah. Really, every investor has a different focus on ENS sectors, geographies, uh, as mm-hmm. I already mentioned. I think it's important to agree on a clear investment strategy including uh, your sector, well, everything, but also impact objectives. I think you need to spend a lot of time on explaining what you're doing. And for us, it was even more because we are first-time fund manager, but also the Good Fashion Fund and Bix were first of its kind funds. So no, because it's the first fund that does this thing, no mandates of investor is exactly focusing on it. So you have to explain a lot, understand what investors are looking for, 
I think be a bit flexible. You never end up exactly, for instance, on your investment strategy on what you intended in the first place, but you should know how flexible you want to be and also where you can be flexible. Because of right. course, you are you cannot uh, comply with all the needs of the investors uh, immediately and exactly. So you have to move a little bit, be flexible, at the same time, convince the investor about your strategy. That's a lot of the focus goes in there. What does it mean to manage investors' expectations or to manage investors kind of on an ongoing basis? What kind of information are they looking for from you? How often? What's the back and forth once an investor has put the money in? That also differs per investor. For instance, uh, Lauders Foundation and the Good Fashion Fund eh, is also uh, part of our board. Generally speaking, uh, yeah, we of course we report on both financial and ENS uh, elements. We have a quarterly reporting cycle and an mm-hmm. annual reporting cycle. Okay. So I think if no uh, strange things happen, then uh, that's of course you have an investor meeting once a year where you discuss uh, strategic things and what's going on. And then, of course, if things happen, clearly changes, you you discuss it with your board first, but then, of course, also with your investors. So it's really a relationship and it depends on what's happening and per investor how often. But I think that the agreed points are these quarterly reports and annual meeting. Bernadette started Found together with Impact Investing veteran Bob Asenberg. In addition to running the Good Fashion Fund, they manage two other funds. One, Bix Capital, is an $18 million fund anchored by the Shell Foundation. It provides cook stove and water purification systems to low-income households in sub-Saharan Africa. The other, Agra3, is an $80 million blended finance initiative anchored by the Dutch government and Rabobank. It's designed to improve livelihoods, tackle deforestation, and support the transition to sustainable agriculture. All three of these funds operate with their own dedicated teams. In addition to fund management, Fount does impact advisory work for a variety of clients from governments to NGOs, providing services ranging from initiative design through to financial models and evaluations and everything in between. Just switching gears a little bit to the time we're living in right now, which is, of course, you know, not something you probably foresaw in 2019 when you set up the Good Fashion Fund. How are things different right now from a fund manager's perspective? Um, how are your investees or your pipeline doing? What are you hearing from your investors? What does the world look like today? Yeah, you, you mean in terms of COVID, of Indeed. course. Yeah, the world really changed. Um, last year when COVID started, we, if you look at our investees, for instance, on the Good Fashion Fund, of course, a lot of brands canceled their orders or postponed orders. The manufacturers that we were in, in contact with, yeah, they really had some challenges. It's difficult to travel, not only for us to go to these countries, because, of course, we also work with local partners, but it's also within these countries. The route to markets to find your clients for our investees, yeah, right. that became also a bit more challenging. Then you also see who are the strong ones yeah, that are able to solve their uh, these challenges. Um, but out on the investor side, uh, yeah, I think in the beginning last year, in 2020, most investors started focusing on their current portfolios, which also makes sense. So really to look what Covis was doing to their portfolio of investments and how they could support their uh, investees. So that meant that they were, uh, some of them, uh, no longer interested to really consider new investments. And a lot of investors and donors also, of course, established facilities specifically focusing on solving these COVID-related uh, challenges uh, for uh, emerging markets. That was all 2020. It's now really moving again at a slower pace. It's moving in the right direction. Also, investors are looking at new um, opportunities again. It's a bit slower. 
So Bernadette, if there's a fashion company listening right now, what should they know if they want to become investees of the Good Fashion Fund? Yeah, I think, um, of course, you can look at our website, what we are exactly looking for. Uh, we have a fact sheet on there for investees, especially. It's important for us that you're really interested, I think, in becoming more sustainable. That's in the end is our aim, huh? to make manufacturers more sustainable, really have a system change or sector change in Asia. Of course, the nitty gritty criteria are also important. But I think if you're really interested, get in contact with us. Very last question. I believe you're from Amsterdam. Once we can all travel again, what's your number one tip for visitors? Yeah, no, you don't come all out because Amsterdam is really quiet now. Too quiet, I think. <laughs> but it was too busy. So it would be really good if we end up in the middle. Of course, yeah. uh, we love foreigners to visit our city. And I think you should. It's a beautiful city and a lot of also cultural things, a lot of uh, interesting uh, sightseeing to do. And not only in Amsterdam, but also in the rest of the Netherlands. Maybe that's a great tip since um, people go to Amsterdam quite a lot, but they miss out on, on the beauty of the rest of the country. What's your number one tip of a place that isn't Amsterdam? Haarlem. Sometimes, okay. Haarlem. Sometimes they call it the sister city of Amsterdam, but it's, of course, a separate city, about 25 minutes by train from, uh, from Amsterdam. It's also a really nice place, nice uh, city, small city. And it's close to the beach. Oh, that sounds good, too. Bernadette, thanks so much for talking today and for sharing so much. This has been a really rich interview with lots and lots of content. We haven't met in person before. I'm really hoping that I get a chance to meet you and see you at the EVPA conference in Porto in November when we can hopefully all travel again. Thank you very much. And thank you, EVPA, for organizing this, uh, this podcast interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You can find out more about EVPA at www.evpa.eu.com, including information on its training academy and how you can become a member. This series of podcast episodes is part of EVPA's Impact Funds initiative. Remember to subscribe to this podcast to hear our next episodes with Impact Fund leaders. Thanks to Martin Blom and Jack White for making this episode possible.